0: do i need to be thinking as a listener to make me press my thumb down on the the touch screen
1: Mm, okay
0: put me on the spot uh one sentence okay right
1: i mean i've got a few sentences on the podcast description but i think it
0: each guest is different of course i know that but like you know hey you should check out my podcast if you're into blank
1: if you're into improve i would just say improving your health and then that and that's not like you could that could be financial sovereignty mm-hmm. that could, could be your financial health be, it could be your physical your health relationships mental health yes. relationship, yes so, relationship
0: with yourself yeah. Like, yeah
1: everything um if you had to put it in one sentence and um so i'm trying to figure oh. out how to potentially like i was talking to my buddy danny um uh the other day and you know and other people that are trying to maybe build a product around their social platform because at the end of the day I think podcasts are tough mm-hmm. until you become like Alex Friedman or Andrew Huberman yeah. or or a Joe Rogan or whatever which is like those are the extremes right and, and
0: they're but they're extremely intimate at the same time like the upside to podcasts is you have somebody in your ear yeah. for an
1: hour so many. Millions you know. of people know who you are. Right. Like, they build a relationship with you that you don't. Which is you're pretty
0: not. crazy. You don't get yeah. that in email newsletters. You don't get that at, um, you know, even radio talk shows. You don't get that because, you know, it's like, it's just not as, it's not as intimate. As yeah. Because podcasts are basically like talk radio on demand. Um, yeah. Right? Like yeah. By subject that you are truly interested in. Mm-hmm. But for me, like, I've been listening to Rogan for fucking forever yeah and can i swear on here yeah okay forever and but it's sounds crazy and i'm not a fanboy. i don't listen to every rogan episode i'm not big into the mma episodes and stuff like that but if he were in the room right now i feel like i think i feel like i could talk to him like dude i know you really well you've been in my ear for hundreds or thousands of hours yeah so like i don't know his family or anything but we could like chat yeah and so that's kind of like the intimacy you build up, and you target an audience, you know, well selling uh, either a product or, um, you know, in my mind after listening to some of your previous episodes, it's like, you know, hey, you should check out my podcast if you're into um, health and I would say like it could be lifestyle. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like I'm still building that,
1: you know, building that one sentence, yeah, niche, but.
0: I would say like if you're into uh, like health in the digital age, yes. uh, well-rounded personal health in the digital age. Mm. I think that's how you Yeah. yeah. Thank I, you. I think yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not a bad way to put it. Yeah, um, and,
1: I, and like years ago when I was trying, before I did the podcast and even before I was working for Unchained, I was, uh, I created like a brand and I was trying to build like potentially a blog and it was called The Digital Nomad. Mm -hmm. and it was around that it was around being in the digital age and taking care of your health in different aspects and then I kind of dropped that off because I was I went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole COVID happened and all this other stuff and um, so it's honestly it's it's uh, I, I sometimes like as of now in the present moment I've been faced with challenges and different questions and it's like at certain points it's like irritable but at the same time I remind myself that this is like you're going to look back on this and this is the fun part.
0: Yeah. This is the best part. It's type two fun. Yeah. Right? Like (laughs) type one fun is like, if you want to go to a concert tonight, it's going to be fun. It's fun in the moment. Type two fun is fun. That's only fun when you look back on it. Mm -hmm. So like I've been moving this weekend to a new apartment. It's beautiful. It's like my girlfriend and I's dream apartment. We're moving in together. It's so much fun. Congrats. The views. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, The views are incredible. Like it's a beautiful apartment complex, but moving has sucked. Mm -hmm. moving is like oh yeah building you know if i see another allen wrench i'm gonna go crazy (laughs) but this whole time we both her and i both took off work we're moving in together these are like memories that are going to be you know if we you know her and i are for the long haul we're going to look back on this and be like that was fun yeah but it's type two fun it's not fun it wasn't fun on thursday yeah but five years from now we could look back on it and be like damn that was really yeah fun. it's a you know? cute
1: it's a cute moment so you're moving stuff in and you're trying to figure out where to put things and yeah
0: but for you building this podcast adjusting the camera making sure the door is unlocked you know yeah. like that stuff is like in spending 200 bucks per episode it's like it's not fun in the moment but it's cheesy you know it's the whole like it's not the ju- destination it's yeah. the journey yeah. it's literally that you're gonna yeah. look back on it and be like Damn, that was super fun because I actually took the leap and I explored it. So many people don't. So many people are like, hey, I want to start something, whether it's a podcast, newsletter, uh, learning to code, Mm -hmm. uh, you know woodworking whatever i, I want to be outside more i want to like but they don't get up off the couch and do it so mm. i want to secure my wealth with yeah. my own keys it's mm. kind of what we do every yeah. single day people just don't do it because they don't take the leap so you're taking the leap you're in the type two fund right now and i'm excited for you to look back on it. it's gonna be
1: pretty yeah exciting. yeah i'm excited as well man it's been a fun journey and this will be i think episode 35 and i've had um obviously uh sasha i've had jose i've had uh, the UTXO Slayer. I've had, uh, Thompson man. Yeah. I've had, um, Naomi, oh, no, um, Nozomi is her last name. I'm totally blank on her name. I'm so sorry. Uh, she does like, um, she has like a psychological mm-hmm. media. Um, and, um, it's Nozomi Hayase, I believe is her name. And she's got like a really cool combination of like, um uh, you know, like she supports, um, whistleblowers and, and like accountability with our government and proponent of Bitcoin and, and independent journalism. And so she, I did a episode with her and Texas Slim. And so I, I, and then over the course of, I would say from like episode seven to, I mean, almost now with. The exception of Sasha, it's been all non Bitcoin stuff.
0: Yeah, which is cool. Yeah. Well, and also for the well-rounded health in the digital age, Bitcoin is a sliver of that. It's Mm -hmm. your financial health. If you don't understand Bitcoin and its implications, and like how you should be saving your money in Bitcoin, then you're not going to have some good financial health in the 2020s. I can guarantee that. So, but it fits into the large. It's like it's a small uh it's a small string of notes in the larger song that is your podcast which i think is great mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be the core focus of yeah. it which is really really nice
1: yeah so it's been centered around physical strength training whether it's like spirituality questions around spiritual exploration um and different uh modalities between um like meditation and and, uh, contrast. So temperature contrast therapy, like ice baths and sauna and breath work and all this stuff. That's really helped me uh, personally become a stronger human being because I felt uh, as I was transitioning into Austin and beginning this journey with Unchained there, it was just this knowing within me that was like, okay, you need to build your character into a stronger, um, you know, more optimal manner. And, and I didn't know exactly how to do that, but it started with fitness for me at least. Mm -hmm. And then it comes down to, yeah, maybe something higher than yourself. Um, I, I actually posted something last night. It was a conversation between Lex Friedman and Andrew Huberman. It was their most recent podcast together. And as many people know, Huberman is a, he's a scientist and he's, I think, a Neuroscientist or biologist, but he focuses on the reason why he's so popular is because he focuses on breaking down from a rational scientific perspective how to optimize yourself from a human health perspective Mm -hmm. and so he's very rational he's very thorough he's very meticulous and this this i don't know how long it was i think it was like maybe 10 to 15 minutes of him going back and forth with lex it was him uh just introducing how he starts he's starting to pray to something higher than himself. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, it could be, you can call it the universe, universe, source, God. Uh, it doesn't have to be an organized religion, but it, he has found through his, like his own journey and experience that after so much meditation, after so much, you know, a little bit of uh, plant medicine, medit- you know, whatever it may be, uh, therapy, um, He there's just certain things that he you can't figure out or you can't, Mm -hmm. you can't grasp or, or, and, and, and believing in a higher form of something has helped with, uh, remaining, uh, humble and, and, and having some sense of humility.
0: Yeah. I think that's really important. Uh, so I am like, I grew up, um, Lutheran, I was confirmed Lutheran, uh, Christian Lutheran in like eighth grade or something. I was and, Catholic. You know, fell went to a private school, the whole deal. Mm-hmm. Um kind of fell away from it in my college years. Cause that's when you get like this massive ego, you're like, oh <laughs> science, right? Like, yeah. you know, who would be dumb enough to uh <laughs> to to believe in, in religion or something like that. Yeah. That's a, like the old mindset I used to have. Yeah. Um and I haven't like, you know, it's not like I go to mass or church every Sunday or whatever. Um or even that, you know, like that version of the higher power being you know like king james christianity as Mm -hmm. it is in the bible and stuff like that but like there's a reason that all of that text was written there's a reason that humans over the course of multiple centuries have like you know felt almost morally obligated to think of something bigger than themselves Mm -hmm. like whatever deity whatever form that takes place in so like i'm kind of going through that journey myself my girlfriend is uh She is Christian herself. Um, I don't really know what denomination she like, you know, Mm kind of grew up Jehovah's Witness and like Mm -hmm. got out of that. Yeah. Um, But, you know, throughout the course of us being together, um, whether it's you drive by a car, uh, she would say a car wreck. She's from Texas. I would Mm -hmm. say car crash. She would say car wreck. (laughs) If we drive by a car wreck, if we um, are in, you know downtown austin and we see uh some homelessness uh you know people experiencing homelessness on the side of the road or it stops or whatever i'll just like glance at her and notice she's like kind of talking to herself Mm. and recently i asked her like what are you what are you saying she goes well i'm praying for them i'm like Uh. or i'm praying for that car car wreck or those people i'm like that's really like interesting Mm. and like kind of cool and like it's also adorable it's like oh man okay so you're like you want you know it's not like we roll down the window and give a five dollar bill to every, you know, homeless person we see in Austin or wherever. But that little like prayer, it's like I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting. I'm mm. like, wow, her psyche has been like she doesn't go to church every Sunday and it's not like that religious. We don't have, even have a Bible at the apartment, mm-hmm. but she feels compelled to like pray, yeah, or, or do something extra, yeah, yeah. Um, which is just really, really interesting.
1: Yeah, me. and the other side of that, you could say. You could be angry at that homeless person. You could so, say, like, like why are you bothering me on the side of the street? That's the thing, right? Instead, if, she chose to pray and hope yeah. and give, like, some kind of hope or faith or some good energy to that person. Yeah,
0: she took in what was a, probably a crappy situation, right? If somebody's knocking on your window or holding up a sign, you feel bad for them. But mm-hmm. you could also just as easily take it as get out of the road or yeah. you know, something like that, yeah. which I'm guilty of doing, too. I don't oh know. Yeah. Yep. Um, But she, like— Kind of blocked that negative response, channeled it into, I can't help this person physically, but I'm going to like, you know, it, it's just, it's a different way of handling
1: it. Sending good energy. It's like, yeah. It's, yeah. And it makes you a better person.
0: You know, because like it's done over and over and over again. Then I wonder why she's so sweet and happy all the time. Yeah. like, okay, maybe there's something <laughs> to learn here. You know, because yeah. like, in our jobs, dude, and you know this working with me, mm-hmm. it's easy to get stressed out and especially in a B2C company where you're like working with people, people can be frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, half of my job is being frustrated for the most part <laughs> because uh, it's just dealing with different people. And like, you know, it's kind of the 80-20 rule, I think. I think 20% of the people we work with spend or take up about 80% of our time, mm-hmm. whether it's mm-hmm. technical issues or not understanding something or doing, you know, whatever things happen. Mm -hmm. And so I get kind of just this natural tension built up. And then sometimes I I feel as if like when I'm communicating to my coworkers, I'm just communicating as if I'm super stressed. Um, So like I've been working with Katie and just kind of talking things through with her Mm -hmm. and yeah, like channeling things and making yourself like more mindful and like just communication Mm -hmm. also is a thing. Cause that's when she's praying for that homeless person, she's like communicating kind of, she's actually letting out that, that energy through communication mm-hmm. and it's like just by doing that over and over and over again you start to build up these different mental models it's, of how you see it's,
1: it's like a muscle mm-hmm. and it almost becomes automatic yeah and that beco- that that makes it almost like an effortless action that you take that just makes you a better human and so also to comment like i i mean the the moments that i've spent with you at unchained because we have worked with each other in different aspects. Um I I never see it. You are someone that has uh you're humble, um you have a nobility to your character, um humility, you're always curious towards building your foundation because like that's what we're doing with unchained that's like the mm. super cool aspect of uh the technical concierge and i'll let you kind of maybe introduce yourself a little bit more formally but like <laughs> yeah um to the listeners that don't know who or, or uh, what unchained is and who you are but um working alongside of you it's been a pleasure because we started around the same time. yeah we
0: did uh summer of 21.
1: yeah and to see your growth into the technical concierge I think VP. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it is stressful, and there has been a more recent case of like certain clients that have dealt with some crazy shit. It's you know? cra-
0: yeah, I mean, it's per- when you inject, and this is part of going back to that like health in the digital age. Yeah, like this is your financial health in the digital age as it relates to Bitcoin. Um, you need to be holding your own keys, so you don't get. Uh, you know, rug-pulled by mm-hmm. the exchanges of the world, which is a whole different podcast. <laughs> yeah. But what that does is it injects personal responsibility into the equation. Mm. And when you inject personal responsibility into a population that hasn't had to face personal responsibility for their finances mm. over the course of the past, you know, since 1971, basically, or whenever the yeah. going off the gold standard was, like you're bound to run into cases that are just problem childs at the end of the day right for lack of a better phrase and yeah. and it's because this concept of personal responsibility has been so lost on people and that's we're holding your own bitcoin keys again different podcasts you know maybe oh, if we, we get into touch that on,
1: touch on a little bit yeah
0: but it's like that personal responsibility is hard but thank you for the kind words yeah, it's like yeah, you know, yeah. we got to carry ourselves the way that uh, Phil Geiger, our colleague at chain, put it to me when I first started was whenever we're interacting with somebody in a crazy situation, they are holding their own keys to their Bitcoin wealth, but something crazy happens. Like, our role as the experts is to arrive at that situation as an emergency responder would r- arrive to a situation. Completely different, right? One is possibly more gravely serious because you're dealing with your health in, like mm-hmm. something like a car accident or something. But... If you arrive to this situation like an emergency responder, you're calm, cool, collected. You've seen this before. You can help them out and mm-hmm. you're in a much better mental mm-hmm. spot to do so. Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, somebody comes to you and says, I, I lost one of my Bitcoin keys. And instead of like matching their freak out with your own freak out, that doesn't help anyone. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, got but that is also a muscle. You got to practice it <laughs> and got to be like very calm yeah. and cool with it. It's hard because I keep thinking, you know, I put myself in their situation if that was my Bitcoin. It's like, yeah, oh, man. What
1: the heck? Yeah, two threads yeah. that two threads that come to mind. So to comment on the lack of um, responsibility, I try to have a more maybe graceful perspective on like okay, we we had the industrial revolution, and throughout that time there was the American dream, and so there was specialization, and people were plumbers or people were bankers or people were all these different things, and it was nice to be able to live in a country where you can provide someone that's or you can give back to someone or have that, you know, mutual exchange where you pay them for their specialty. And I think we've just kinda, we, we have, we've done that so much so that maybe, yeah, we're, we're just kind of, you know, lost in a way, but in regards to banking, yes, like we have totally just left all of our, and and there was no reason to worry about this, but like, yeah, the, the the bank that you interact with it they deal with everything mm-hmm. right there's no worry of of losing your wealth by your own hands but, sure. now, but now there is
0: somebody steals your credit card uh you file you know uh not a claim but like you reach out to capital one and they fix it yeah. or uh there's fdic insurance for right. your bank account or something right. like that uh but you hold the private keys to 50 bitcoin uh, which is a material amount of wealth, mm-hmm. and, you know, something happens, you you mess up because it's personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Well, the Bitcoin network is unforgiving. Right. Bitcoin network's not going to say, oh, is that, that was an accident? Okay, here, <laughs> we'll just give you 50 more Bitcoin. There's a 21 million Bitcoin hard cap supply. Yeah. There's no central controller. You can't just get more of it. Um, there's no refunds. There's no chargebacks. There's no, like, it, it is finality. And Mm -hmm. so there's extreme, extreme responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, But with that comes extreme, extreme freedom Mm. and censorship resistance and like a return to savings that is going to be ushering in a new wave of prosperity Mm -hmm. um, for for like mankind, which is crazy to say. We get to work in it, which is so freaking cool. Yeah. But at the end of the day it's you know there's going to be a lot of people that have that alarm clock of personal responsibility going off right in their face and they're yeah. going to have to either figure out a way to hit the snooze button uh, or just wake up yeah um, and so
1: yeah and the second thread that came to me uh, earlier was uh, building so from our perspective working at Unchained building the muscle of that cool calm collective because mm-hmm. in the beginning I mean the infrastructure of the company it was a startup it was mm-hmm. you're going from Joe and Drew and you know and then velvet and sam and then you know it builds from four four people to you know 14 and then 30 and then now i mean we're probably over 100 mm-hmm. and so in the beginning though we didn't have that foundation of the technical concierge department really and yeah building that muscle for a very technical aspect that is very intense it is intense. it's it, yeah. I'm, I'm curious how I mean, I was with you in the old office at times. Mm-hmm. And I remember you looking at me, and uh, I, I work in the loan ops and now escrow department. But um, you know, working in the lending department wasn't as intense. It's still, you know, you're still working hard, but uh, you're not you're not face to face with clients. Sometimes you, I have been, but like face to face with clients that are telling you, "Hey, I've compromised my." uh key quorum Mm -hmm. that that secures my bitcoin and there was days where you were just like i have been non-stop in meetings and just like you know building that structure and that curriculum for Mm -hmm. other members of the team that have joined to be able to have a cool and collective demeanor um it's been yeah i mean those moments must have been pretty yeah intense
0: I like to use the framing now. I mean, so still, even as, you know, I, I lead the concierge team at Unchained, um, which has been, a, you know, joined as a technical director and now uh, lead the team. And it's an amazing group of, of folks we have on the team. Mm-hmm. That's what we do is spend every single day directly interfacing with clients. I still spend most of my time doing that, even as leader of the team, mm-hmm. which might change hopefully over time as we grow the team. But what, I, what the goal is, um, as we expand and as Bitcoin becomes, you know, more ingrained in people's lives as a savings vehicle, uh, it's not going away. So naturally, people are choosing to save in Bitcoin and secure it the right way is going to grow. The long-term thesis for the company is set. And what I I like to use the word institution here. And so I, when I say institution, I mean it in um, – is actually a really interesting point. So institutions are – when I say the word institution, I'm not saying like – um, you know, a government body or like a university or something like that. Like Mm -hmm. when you hear the word institution, I'm thinking like, think about it more as like the institution of marriage. Uh, an institution Mm. is like a set of societal norms and relationships. Mm -hmm. That's an institution. Mm. So I want to create technical Bitcoin expertise as an institution within Unchained. I want to embed concierge principles as an institution within the client services team at unchained. So, you know, there's that everybody that I look across the, the office, uh, are in person downtown Austin, I look across at, you know, one of the multiple members of our, our client services team, not just concierge, but client services as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I know that that person I'm looking at, you know, knows is, is, uh, an emergency responder. Mm-hmm. right who has my back. Mm. That person is an emergency responder. That person is an emergency responder. We have this team at Unchained that's the goal that like anybody at Unchained can help somebody who's in a precarious situation one of our clients. Mm-hmm. Um because we've embedded Bitcoin knowledge as an institution within the company. Mm. Um that's really the goal and it's starting to take shape. Tom mm. Hanzik killer. That guy is like I've been so fortunate to work with him over the course of the past like what was it year over a year and a half um yeah well over a year and a half on his way to being two years in December he's the man dude I would not be where I am at in my career without Tom Tom has put together educational content he's worked with clients he's gotten great reviews he has made his teammates around him better um, he's helped educate his own teammates like we I need Tom from a like as a manager standpoint I need Tom but cloned I'm trying to figure out <laughs> That whole deal, yeah. Um, but David Layton is the same way. David Layton started around the same time as me, and is yeah. just an absolute like. He's just like setting people up with private keys and talking about Bitcoin is that man's passion. Mm-hmm. and and now he's starting to do, kind of let that blossom into businesses and enterprises as his career trajectory um, moves within Unchained. And it's like, okay, the institution of Bitcoin, deep Bitcoin knowledge is spreading. Mm. You are like compared to two years ago. You know more about Bitcoin technicals than you did two years ago, Mm. derivation paths and how cold cards work and all this crazy stuff just from osmosis through being around it. Through being close to that institution, Mm. um, which is really, really cool. And that institution strengthens over Slack messages, over emails, over lunch conversations. So my goal is like the next couple of years, that's just like that institution continues to grow and get more embedded.
1: Yeah, well said. Yeah, I think it's great that you broke that down, that definition of institution because I think a lot of people have potentially lost trust.
0: So we're, we're anti-institution naturally as Bitcoiners. <laughs> so when I say institution, I don't, I mean like a set of societal norms and relationships yes, within yeah. within a larger um, peer group.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, and I, I feel like you did get a good description of your role um, and the evolution of your role with Unchained. And, and so on the topic of, you know, maybe failing institutions, I saw you tweet, um, cj wilson you admired his talk at bitblock boom
0: Mm -hmm. big time yeah and
1: and, um i did as well uh i was there for the majority of it and then i left to go to the bathroom or something Mm -hmm. but i i i I did feel what he was saying and i think that's actually what got me into bitcoin um so i guess this might be a two-part uh question um so you can begin wherever you want but One is, what stood out to to you um, with CJ's talk? And we can kind of maybe give some description to his talk. And then also, like, what drove you to Bitcoin? Because for me, um, it was the social uh, fabric of society maybe degrading in my perspective. And I was really unsure during COVID, like, how can we kind of pull this all together? And then I Mm -hmm. read the Bitcoin standard and I was like flabbergasted and just so many things connected for me. And I was like, Whoa, this is it. Mm -hmm. This is it. And like Robert Breedlove has had this podcast conversation with a young gentleman that speaks to like, everybody's got a boogeyman. It could be like, Oh, people are blaming the fed or people are blaming communism or capitalism or, um, racism or whatever. Like they all have their own boogeyman, but they Mm -hmm. can't figure out it's just coming down to one potentially potentially the root of the problem is coming down to one thing and there's a lot of different things that you know bitcoin's not going to solve i mean we say like bitcoin solves this or, or right right bitcoin
0: fixes Bi- this, bitcoin stuff. fixes
1: this but um you know there's definitely other things that we have to do to to kind of you know maintain the fabric of society to be as peaceful prosperous and in harmony but um so anyways two-part question uh what stood out to you in cj's um presentation because i think that it's really important for more people to like to to hear what he had to say and some people are like totally unaware of it mm-hmm. and then also yeah what brought you into bitcoin
0: so for cj's talk i'm totally blanking on the title of his talk but really like oh, yeah. i know he has over the course of his own bitcoin journey and like you know he is a former mlb all-star pitcher right he yeah. did and he's really into um you know luxury or like vehicles. Um I know he has like a dealership out in California. Mm-hmm. I believe it's in California. Um so he's like, you know, he's got his other passion areas. It was called in broad daylight. In broad daylight. In broad daylight. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um so CJ's, but like just because he's a close friend of Unchained and I've been around him and I like it's like okay. I look at what he's doing within Bitcoin and he is like he's the opposite of uh complacent. He is like You know, he's kind of going in areas where other Bitcoiners, I think, have, like, not gone either out of this, like, principle or something like that. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, um, you know, talking to government. He's, uh, like, been out on Capitol Hill. He's Mm -hmm. done these, like, things where Bitcoiners are so, you know, not only fuck the Fed, but also, like, government is terrible. It's the root of all problems in society, which I don't necessarily disagree with. But, like, you know. It's there. It's there. Right? It's, it's, it's there it's got a and big it's presence. not and it needs to be dealt with yeah. and so CJ along with some other individuals um, I won't remember everybody but they contributed to this book called Bitcoin and the American Dream mm. um, and Jimmy song yes yep. and and it's uh and it's like okay that sort of action not only writing the book but going and talking to political leaders making bitcoin's uh presence known as not just a put $1 in, get $3 out, pump and dump, vending machine, if you're lucky, sort of like gambling thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Not even as an investment, but as a like structural change to the monetary system that's Mm -hmm. important, that's global. It's bigger than just the US. We're going to be left behind if we don't act on, you know, taking it seriously. He's taken that conversation to like Capitol Hill and is like, more involved in pushing bitcoin forward honestly than your average uh laser eye hodler on twitter <laughs> that's just like when it boils down to it like you know so his talk at bitblock boom like i i really my like most important takeaway was we say it all the time as bitcoiners we're gonna win right we're gonna win uh bitcoin fixes this we can say that and tweet that and type that out all day long and say it to each other as we're you know passing each other in the bitcoin commons in austin mm-hmm. but like Bitcoin doesn't win unless we take it upon ourselves to, you know, strike out, as CJ Wilson has done in his career, to, mm. you know, unless we like put the effort in to to strike out the batter, mm. um, to make it known to government officials, to uh, organizations, three-letter agencies, whoever your boogeyman is, like, you can hate the boogeyman, you can think less of them, but like, we need to make it apparent that Bitcoin is a thing. It's not going mm. anywhere. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I see these institutions bending the knee to Bitcoiners, but only if we put in the effort to win. We're not right. going to win by being complacent. We're going to win by being active. So that's what I really liked from C.J. Wilson's talk. Yeah. And just, He's a man with experience in that area.
1: Yeah, yeah. And just to comment on that, uh, there was another talk. Uh, I think it was actually the next day. It was Parker. Parker Lewis, who's... Who's that? oh man he's some he's some g he's some just some guy some guy just some bitcoin uh i really uh man i've had a lot of admiration for parker um Mm -hmm. just his presence how he leads um but his talk at this year's Bitblock boom um he did say like we've already won and he talks about the convergence of money being you know the the convergence of one right and i see his He's a, a man of strategy, and another person that's like taking action to help with this, um, with society, the fabric of society, adopting Bitcoin and becoming a more harmonious, um, you know, complex uh, organism. And you know, him going towards um, uh, the the company, the new company he's working at, Zapright, Zapright, and just <clears throat> talking about yeah, um, making it. Making Bitcoin payments because, like for me, I have um kind of straying away because I know I gave you a two part question, but okay. Uh, I, I like how he's been, how he made that move. Like he made that move to help build a company, make it the norm for your company to have just like a super seamless business in like payment invoice with Bitcoin, because for me, like I I have some a little bit of uh resistance to like wanting to pay in bitcoin because i'm like well then i could get taxed more on that on top Mm. of the taxes that i'm i'm already facing right right and uh so anyways like it was it's just really cool to see these 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 leaders like cj like parker and it's a privilege to like like watch how they are operating right and so i totally agree like instead of just okay yeah you're you're utilizing the network by hodling, by holding your own keys. What else can you do? Can you, like for right. me, for me, it's yeah. Creating this podcast is a flow of creativity and, and having Bitcoiners on and other people on, but. The, the
0: synergies are over. It's like, how can you put your proof of work on display? Right? Yeah. Because yeah. Your proof of work isn't going to be creating a Twitter account and, you know, just like hopping in the replies <laughs> of, you know, whatever the meme of the day is. Right. Yeah. It's like putting your effort in as being a leader. Um, it's creating a project it's be becoming part of the music um and some people are larger parts of the music than others but like mm. you know I view my proof of work as setting up thousands of people with private keys mm. um, and you play a role in that as well like you know it's it's much more than just being complacent and seeing you know seeing Bitcoin win and just kind of like in in a way you are then a a beneficiary of like, it's still I in my opinion, uh, if Bitcoin wins and you just kind of didn't do anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sure, maybe you were smart enough in the moment to understand Bitcoin's a better money, so you saved in Bitcoin, and then you just kind of win by default. Because mm-hmm. off the backs and proof of work and hard work of all these other people, um, but Bitcoin's so much larger than just, you know, Parker and CJ and Unchained. Yeah, 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 of course. But it's still that kind of like innate recognition that we need to do something, mm-hmm. we need to be active. Um, so second part of your question, though, was what got me into Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Dude, it was getting, putting $1 in and getting $3 out. <laughs> I think a more important question is why am I stay Why did I stay in Bitcoin yeah, yeah. Um, and didn't just sell it, you know? <laughs> it's <laughs> like an Eric Case, and he's laughed at this so many times that I've heard him say, it's like everyone just comes for a number go up and then you just get like, your whole fabric of reality just gets completely exactly and that's so true like you know i was like buying whatever tokens would go up in 2017 yeah yeah, that's why i I got interested in bitcoin is because i was like wow i the first (laughs) time in my life as a young professional with disposable income in my first job could invest quote unquote and it could be this new thing that you know my dad and uncle don't know anything about so i'm i can be like this you know i can Talk about it and feel cool, and it's Bitcoin or crypto, and mm-hmm. I can put in a thousand bucks into Bitcoin, and then you know, and a couple months later, it's it's fifteen hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and like it, like wow, I'm so I'm brilliant. Um, <laughs> but like, why did I stay? That's a whole different conversation, yeah. and that's where Eric Kaysen's point of like, you know, and as like part of this is at Unchained when we when somebody signs up for to get onboarded, um, and by that we mean like. We'll work with you directly to set up your hardware wallets and hold you the keys to your own Bitcoin. When somebody signs up for concierge onboarding, we send them sometimes their hardware wallets um in, in the mail, but no matter what, we send them the inheritance protocol. Mm. And so the thought there, which is really kind of genius, uh, was that like let's say you have two thousand bucks worth of Bitcoin. Not a substantial amount of Bitcoin by any means, but two thousand bucks and you don't want it on Coinbase whatever mm-hmm. you spend the money to get onboarded with unchained you have financial investments elsewhere real estate maybe whatever like bitcoin's a very small part of your life but you hear that you need to do it the right way so it's like okay i'll hold my own keys and get some education out of it mm-hmm. the hardware wallets show up at your door and then so does this blue envelope you're like what the hell is this you open it up inheritance protocol oh inheritance what i just have two grand worth of Bitcoin. We we at Unchained are making that assumption that we're just going to hit you right in the face with your <laughs> grandchildren are going to want this, right? Like you, what are you doing to protect this two thousand bucks worth of Bitcoin for generations? Yeah. And they like, I think psychologically to, to the the client. You know, they're just like, oh, well, what the fuck? I was planning on selling this in yeah, the like, tax what season. the fuck, inheritance. <laughs> I'm not thinking about that. And it's like, well, it yeah. should be because it's the best money in the world. But like, just by shipping the inheritance protocol with every concierge order, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what's made me stay into Bitcoin was uh, local meetups. So, like, you know, I purchased Bitcoin um, significantly and got rid of my like, shit coins or whatever that i was doing which really wasn't all that much mm-hmm. which like i'm proud of um but like it was you know ethereum world computer i bought into the whole meme but then as soon as i went bitcoin only because i like just was done gambling basically um i had it on the exchange didn't hold my own keys but i was like okay could probably learn more about it i actually stayed because i wanted to have like a blog or a website and do this thing like you know have a newsletter i was like okay first time in my life out of college i have disposable income i'm working at a company um, but i want like a side hustle i want more money what could i what's this new thing that i could you know leverage my knowledge on okay well i own bitcoin that's kind of cool not a lot of people know about it yet um could i start a newsletter or whatever Mm. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to like start this website where it covered Bitcoin and other cryptos and was like, Mm. you know, basically like I wanted to make like a little coin desk, you know, like what could be my publication that I could do as a little side project. And I didn't, I realized quickly, I didn't know enough about Bitcoin. I wasn't running a node. I didn't hold my own keys Didn't even know what that was. So I went, I was living in Minneapolis at the time and I went to a Minneapolis Bitcoin meetup. There was about six of us there <laughs> at a brewery in Minneapolis called Prize Brewing. Um, of those six people, Brandon Quittum, uh, who led the Minneapolis meetup, uh, he was there. Um, he was my like very first person that I shook hands with Whoa. in Bitcoin. Yeah, that's awesome. Brandon's the man. I don't yeah. know if he remembers it as much as I do, but walked into Prize, saw dude with long blonde hair like in a little man bun up at the uh, counter ordering a beer and i think it was him from like twitter or wherever i was like brandon and, like shook his hand i'm like i'm here for the meetup and sat mm. down right next to brandon was cam stromey who's yeah. uh you know our yeah. uh, former colleague at yeah. unchained um who got me to come to unchained and stuff like that so mm-hmm. it was just like right away like thrust into this like wow this is a cool group of folks to be having a beer with talking about Bitcoin Mm -hmm. and amongst other folks at the Minneapolis meetup. And that conversation, that first night at prize, we talked about, um, of course the price of Bitcoin, what was happening around Bitcoin at that time. Um, we talked about Lolly was a really popular, like, Mm. you know, browser extension that had just gotten started around that time. And so, we just started to talk about, but it was only Bitcoin things. It was kind of like shitting on any, everything else, right? Like <laughs> blockchain technology yeah. and like these other Ethereum and stuff. It was a Bitcoin only meetup. And I'm like, okay, through this conversation, just one couple couple hours at Prize Brewing, I was learning more about Bitcoin. I'm like, okay, got to go to this bi- Minneapolis meetup every month. <laughs> and through that meetup, honestly, through that meetup, so much was, was offered to me by the way of, you know, learning and, It's like inspiring me to go down the rabbit hole, to buy a cold card, to listen to RHR and rabbit hole recap and stuff. Mm. And like to Marty and Matt O'Dell, like to get them in my ear for that intimate podcast conversation we were Mm. talking about earlier, like all that stuff. It was just like, it truly was stumbling down the rabbit hole. Mm. And every Minneapolis meetup we went, we kept them going throughout COVID. We did one Zoom meetup collectively decided that was bullshit (laughs) and then we met met up at like this one of the members of our our meetup had like this office location it was like 2020 height of COVID but we were all meeting up drinking bourbon talking about Bitcoin it felt like that like revolutionary war period era we're just like all in the cold in Minneapolis talking about Bitcoin Uh, we had summer meetups in the park Uh, Cam I think it was Cam got us all a copy of Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt oh wow um Justin Mueller, who uh, who is a part of the Minneapolis Bitcoin meetup, got actually a grant from. Uh, I think it was. I might mess this up. I think his grant was from Spiral to work on mm. Um, But he's part of the Minneapolis Bitcoin mm. meetup. Maybe it's not grant from Spiral. Justin's listening. I'm sorry. But he's great, and he like gave a whole workshop on how to you know like run a node or download Bitcoin Core or like use a cold card or like all these things. It was just like just. All this information through human-to-human contact Mm. and talking about it and not from scrolling Twitter. That was the key. Mm. Um, Which is why I think third places like the Commons, Bitcoin Park, uh, what's uh, Pub Key in New York, which I haven't been to yet, but I hear it's cool. Like these third spaces are so freaking important. Mm. Local meetups are really important. Um, So like, yeah, came to Bitcoin for number go up, stayed in Bitcoin because there was so much to learn. And because the people in it were just really inspiring to be around. I, Sorry, super long no, answer to your question. I
1: apologize. That's exactly why I had you on. I want wanted to hear that more intimate, uh, you know, journey of yours. Um, and yeah, a lot to unpack there. Uh, yeah, I think the meetups are very important. I think it's because uh, like I, I didn't have that at first. I was in Boston when I was... Um, when I was learning about Bitcoin and then I read The Bitcoin Standard, I read The Sovereign Individual, I read a few other books and then I got onto Bitcoin Twitter and it was a double-edged sword. It was like pretty helpful, but also like, you know, if you're on there all the time scrolling, it can get a little...
0: It's mob mentality. Yeah. And it's just like... And so that's,
1: so the mob mentality kind of made me, uh, you know, intimidated. When I joined Unchained too, I was like, is this gonna be like, Twitter? Bitcoin Twitter? And yeah. Not at all. Uh, oh. It's been so, culture's been amazing. Um, but yeah, man, that's uh, that's very interesting. That's so cool that you met Cam and Brandon. Brandon has such a unique uh, perspective on Bitcoin. He intertwines like yeah. mycelium and mushrooms and different yeah. aspects of um, of Bitcoin with like, yeah, just nature. Well, and,
0: as that Minneapolis meetup grew, it was like Jevy. Uh, so Justin Evadon. Oh, really? He and him and Brandon are really tight. They're yeah, like yeah. personal friends um, before Bitcoin. And so there's like Jevy. There was uh, Carl Krecky, who works at Unchained, was a part yeah. of the Minneapolis Bitcoin meetup. It like grew and grew and grew. And it was just like, wow, we have such a stellar squad here. Um, uh, Mark, uh have totally blanked out his last name. Mark Stephanie, uh, mm. who runs the uh, the... I think he was helped start the progressive Bitcoiner podcast but mm. um, he's a, a an MD out of Minneapolis area and he came to the meetups and he was really interested in it, it as like you know a, a doctor which is kind of cool yeah and so we saw all walks of life like you could be a doctor you could be uh, just you know somebody who runs a shipping warehouse uh, you could you know be me I was working for like a tech company Carl was uh, you know he was working for a lab at the University of Minnesota mm. all these different like people came together to learn about Bitcoin at these meetups. So can't, you know, overstate uh, the, the importance of, of local meetups. Mm. Uh, if you're listening to this, you're tangentially curious about Bitcoin, but you like Shane's podcast because it is about health, uh, well-rounded health in the digital age. Um, you want to learn more about Bitcoin, first things first, don't get on Twitter, search for a local meetup. Um,
1: I think there's an app too that I saw at BitBlockBoom. Um, I think it's called Orange Pilled. Yeah. It's an app I can even look at. I think I downloaded it. So, like,
0: the Orange Pill app will help you find a meetup. But I'm going to have to agree with, uh, I think, Stephen Hall on our, our team at Unchained. Um, I'm not a fan of Orange Pill, the phrase. Really? Okay. I think it's... There's so many weird things in Bitcoin that I'm not a fan of. But, like, we don't need you know, to shill digital pharmaceuticals to people. <laughs> like, orange pilling sounds so weird. Like, yeah. You know, it's I, I, like, yeah, like, parts of me, like, if you're talking to serious people with wealth or families I agree. and you're talking about Bitcoin, like, if the title of your presentation is Getting Orange Pilled, it's like, what? Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, it's just, to me, it's, it's immature and it's not serious
1: i i would agree with that i think that um whenever i'm this actually happened naturally whenever i started to speak with other people i would never say that i would never yeah. say like oh there's a lot of people that get orange pilled like there are there's but be- definitely been moments where i say i go to i've gone down the, the rabbit hole and, and but i think that's a just a different way of framing it. a lot of people will say that for other things too right. it's like the rabbit hole of you know alice in wonderland and, and just this stumbling of uh endless journey of a specific category and orange pill. And like I I hear a lot of people use the term white pill and black pill and Mm, and, and red red pill pill and blue pill. pill. and I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I don't even know what that means.
0: Yeah, we as a society don't need more pills. So let's just like (laughs) cut that framing out. No more
1: big pharma. And Uh, and and,
0: and I don't like pleb. I don't like cold storage. I don't like all Ah. these terms. I'm just not a big fan of for various different reasons.
1: Cold storage. I mean, that's something that, uh i don't think chain really uses as much
0: i mean it's every now and then it's there but like i just hate like scrolling on through apps or i get ads and like you know my phone if i'm doing whatever mm-hmm. and because we work in bitcoin i'm sure my phone's listening to me so it'll show me ads for like ledger or trezor or whatever yeah. and it's just like ultimate cold storage for your bitcoin mm-hmm. it's like that's so false yeah. like cold storage Is not the the hardware wallet Trezor itself. Cold storage is something that you as the user act on. Mm. Like you can be using a Trezor, but you're not, you don't have cold storage if you put your seed phrase, you know, if you email it to your attorney. (laughs) So like it doesn't matter if you use a Trezor. Like cold, using the phrase cold storage removes personal responsibility from the equation and makes people think that Mm. XYZ solution is the cold storage. And that's a False uh, premise. Mm. It's like you, cold storage is how you treat the private key material. Um, so I just don't like the cold storage phrasing. So many people are in it for that quick fix, that quick like solution, that pill mm. that's going to help them you right. know, lose weight instead of going out and exercising. They want that cold storage solution instead of learning to like you know write down your seat phrase and keep it secure. Right. I just yeah, that's why I don't like cold storage.
1: How would you uh, try to? distinguish it to have a more effective conceptual, uh, you know, standpoint for for people that is more simplistic. Yeah. It's like cold storage and hot storage, right? Like that for me now it's instantaneous like i recognize okay what what that means
0: yeah and it's like an electrical thing it's like hot is connected to yeah you know the internet the internet, and, internet yeah. or power or something cold is like it's safe to touch it's offline it's offline yeah. so i i do like the phrasing offline keys i think offline keys is better than cold storage okay. so like keep your keys offline okay um you know it's weird to say keep your bitcoin offline because bitcoin's like not offline it's right associated with an address on the blockchain. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like forever online in a way. But your keys that can unlock and move your Bitcoin, those should be kept offline. Yeah. So I like offline keys more. It makes more sense. Um, you can use a Trezor, but are your keys offline? Mm. Like, that's what matters. Yeah. Um, so, yeah.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I like uh, the evolution of the different terminology. And I think… Hardware
0: uh, wallet. Si- is it a hardware <laughs> wallet? Is it a signing device? Have we figured that out? No that one's just what's going to happen like where are we going with that are are we going to solidify
1: like a signing device or or, I don't know I mean private key um
0: key manager
1: yeah key manager we're still figuring that out I guess
0: key manager uh just bitcoin key you know um hardware wallet is probably the worst (laughs) but it's stuck around and I don't think it's going anywhere um
1: hardware wallet yeah I think we're going to look back because like yeah, that's just what I was introduced to. And I, I do feel, looking back, we'll be like, that was a terrible decision.
0: Yeah, it's not the best. Um, but I don't know what is going to be better. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you had another question lined up, but I wanted to, uh, and we can keep it on the Bitcoin stuff, yeah. but yeah, also wanted to, because I think you're actually doing this without realizing it. And so I want to talk a little bit about indie hacking. Sure. Um, if you're cool with that. Yeah, absolutely. Are you familiar with indie hacking? Uh, not really. Okay. So, indie hacking, because you mentioned, like, digital nomad, right? And that was mm-hmm. a phrase that was used in, like, maybe the late, mid to late 2010s or early 2010s if you were, like, an OG digital nomad. Mm-hmm. But it's this group of people who, like, decided digital nomads and indie hackers. Indie hackers, stands for independent hacker. So, like... Um, kind of decided that a nine to five or you know working for a a corporation or a company was not for them they didn't like the idea of having a boss and having like deliverables and okrs and the corporatized bullshit Mm -hmm. they just like hey i have a skill set and i'm going to independently hack my way to earning uh an income every month and with that uh i can do it from wherever i want Mm -hmm. so it could be uh the proverbial example was from a beach in bali or something like Mm -hmm. that um working from a beach is probably horrible it sounds great but it's probably not the best idea Uh, or paints is really false like picture of what indie hacking is but um i've been like falling into this community pretty hardcore so Mm. i've been like falling down that rabbit hole just as much as bitcoin and i've been trying to maybe what i should do is find a local meetup for indie Mm. hackers um but independently hacking your way to earn revenue and not have to work for a company, I think is a really, really interesting idea. And it doesn't have to be, when we say hacking, it doesn't have to be coding or learning to code. I think that's a large portion of it. And you should become technical enough in the year 2023 to like put a website together, know some HTML and CSS, Mm -hmm. and maybe even a little bit of JavaScript that probably will take you a very long way. Yeah, That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, Because I didn't go grow up as like going to be a software engineer, kind of teaching myself. But... I think you're an example of indie hacking. Is you're independently hacking your, your away at your side project that could one day end up with revenue for you. Mm-hmm. So your version of indie hacking is putting together this you know is creating is putting together this podcast mm. that is indie hacking for sure. That's like that's a that's a way to indie hack.
1: Um, Real quick, when yeah. I think of hacking, I just think of like shadowy shadowy cloaked uh, yeah engineers that are like hacking. Like a like a I don't know software for a company or whatever,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but hacking think, could also be considered maybe just
0: hacking is kind of like I, I view the phrase hacking as like um as like like you're carving you're just hacking away okay. at a project you're carving away at gotcha. like you know your your either your
1: okay I'm totally like the, my conception my first conception of it was coding like in like so yeah. it's, it could be general. Yeah. Or, or is it mean or or is it really specialized around
0: code? No, it, it could be general. I think it's more tangentially, I mean it or not tangentially, but it's more like maybe focused on code because a lot of indie hackers like what's the what's the most the, the most powerful way to earn money independently is to build a uh, a software that's cuz software scales so easily, yeah. right? If you wanted to create your own uh You know, line of soaps that use beef tallow or whatever, because they're Mm -hmm. sustainable soaps. Like that is indie hacking your way into a marketplace of a physical product, Um, but it's like, doesn't really involve code, but Mm -hmm. it's harder to scale. Mm -hmm. Software, you could create a little web app that turns every website you go to into dark mode automatically as a browser extension, and it costs two bucks a month. to, for users to use and uh, put it on the Google Chrome app store and immediately it's available to all 2 yeah. billion Chrome users. <clears throat> That's like a way of indie hacking. And so there's indie hackers as like the business indie hackers is actually, if you go to indiehackers.com, it's started by Cortland Allen, um, who is just this like software developer guy, uh pretty cool he has a cool podcast he has people on his podcast that are making 10,000 bucks a month 20,000 bucks a month just from like their own projects that they oh, started wow. and him and his brother own indie hackers stripe bought indie hackers um i think in 2017 or something like that um because if you're an indie hacker you have a software project and you want to take money for it you naturally integrate Stripe. So Stripe mm-hmm. thought it was probably a good strategic move to acquire indie hackers as like this community. Mm-hmm. It's a podcast, it's a newsletter, it's a website where indie hackers go on and share their stories and get interviewed. Mm-hmm. And I've just been going so hard at <laughs> listening to these stories to try to get inspired because I do think that um, one day, I, you know, I don't necessarily want to uh, work for a company. I think it'd be great to have the freedom and flexibility to... Put value out into the world mm-hmm. um, through an acquired skill set and receive value back um, because it's 2023 and this is available to us now. Yeah, you couldn't literally couldn't do this in even 2003, like 20 years ago, uh, because think of all the tools we have at our disposal. Now, crazy, man. it's crazy. We have yeah. like lightning fast internet in most areas of the, the United world. States yeah. or the world yeah. broadly. Yeah, uh, easy ways to take payment online with Stripe. You have educational resources that can help you program and code and build websites and it's
1: free it and could be free. it could be free, yeah,
0: it's crazy it's, it's not like <laughs> like this opportunity has never been here before to this degree um, and like the fact that people aren't like making like taking this opportunity and just like going hard with it, it's wild to me,
1: yeah, I love that you bring this up because this is it's so funny how. It's uh, very like the synchronicity between some of where my mind has been, my attention mm-hmm. has been, I love working for Unchained and I love working for a company Same. and I love the culture I love. And we, we are on the cutting edge of a new technology that provides us with yeah. constantly stimulating new ideas and new um, innovations. It's, it's a blessing to work for the company, but I do also have this yearning, this um, calling to, to develop my own business. And yeah. and so and this is ha- this is be this yearning has been more pronounced over the course of the past week, and it's so awesome that you just brought this up because it's um
0: dude check out indie hackers I'm going to for sure indie hackers is crazy it's inspiring um there's indie hackers on the website that are just software projects there's like physical stuff mm-hmm. um uh the founder of kettle and fire
1: yeah um, yeah,
0: yeah that's Justin Mayers. I thought that was local here I yeah think. just so Justin Mares Austin uh just kind of i don't know maybe jose can edit this out but justin mayer's <laughs> justin mayer's brother nick mayers used to live with kayla costa and her boyfriend so there's like a huge like close yeah, circle yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. so like oh cool kayla used to live with the founder of kettle and fire's brother and so like we like have this it's really crazy Austin it's yeah, yeah. wild yeah um kayla our friend at Unchained. Mm-hmm. um but kettle and fire like is just like bone broth right right um but like the founder Justin was on Indie Hackers telling about his story. Oh. Like, you know, he's like, he indie hacked. Okay. You know, that's an example yeah, yeah, of indie yeah. hacking. Yeah, yeah. Like starting your own business, basically. Oh, it's an that's entrepreneurship.
1: Super cool. That's super cool. Um, and and so, what do you currently foresee yourself um, doing?
0: I don't really know. I've been kind of like training myself to spot business opportunities, and I don't just want to do like the I'm not going to be that uh, drop shipper uh, affiliate marketing type of like revenue. I don't mm. think that's for me. I really want to right now I'm learning a um, bunch of different kind of like sides of web development. So backend uh, web development using PHP, mm. um, which is maybe a weird choice, uh, but most of the internet's built with PHP and it's actually gotten a lot better. Mm. Um, yeah, Laravel is like a really interesting web building framework built with PHP. And so like PHP is interesting. Uh, JavaScript obviously is kind of like the language of the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, most browsers just kind of run JavaScript. And so like if you can become reasonably proficient at a backend language or even just JavaScript, HTML and CSS is like your styling, you can put together a decent website and like do something. And so mm-hmm. I just want to like build a tool that does something for people. Yeah. Um, throughout this journey of kind of learning, I've been really infatuated with Git. Mm. Um, so do you know much about Git? A GitHub? Well, so GitHub is like a company and is uh, a way to aggregate code bases, like okay. code repositories. Yep, yep. So it's like Unchained has a GitHub or whatever companies have GitHubs. Mm-hmm. But Git itself, just Git, uh, is an open source tool um, it was built by Linus Torvalds, or however you pronounce his name. He's the creator of Linux. Okay. And Git is just like, it's a what's called version control for your code. So remember when you're in college and or high school and you're writing an essay for a class, some assignment, and like you save it in Microsoft Word, you saved it like essay, and then you save it again, essay one or essay underscore final dot one. Mm-hmm. Like, you have all yeah, these different yeah. versions of your essay based on when you last saved it or worked on it. Mm. Git is a way to do version control, but for code. So like you and I are working on a piece of software, Um, you know, like, so an example of this would be Caravan. Caravan is a tool built by Unchained. It's open source. So the code is out on GitHub, but if you want to, you can clone all the code for Caravan on your own computer, build a little feature on it. You know, I want to change... The colors on caravan from the unchained blue to green mm. i can do that because it's open source and i've you know git can help me clone the the code base make my own changes and i'm running my own fork of caravan okay, okay. so git is just fascinating i probably didn't do the best job no, describing that, that, it.
1: that made a lot of sense
0: but yeah. git is like version control for code mm. and i'm like wow open source is built on git teams around like software engineering teams around the world use git it's kind of like this this like version control system that mm. people are using. Mm. And so all that is to say, this probably sounds super boring to anyone else listening. No. Um, all that is to say, I want to build through learning Git, I want to build a tool that helps people learn Git. Mm-hmm. My, okay. I want to build the best way to learn Git on the internet. And that's what I I want to build. And, and so I'm, the- I'm I'm learning to code in JavaScript and PHP and HTML and CSS and stuff like that. Um, with the goal of this project of helping people learn Git, that's kind awesome. of an interesting thing.
1: Yeah, it's so like a course, would kind be, of would like be the a product. course.
0: Yeah, it'd be like a course. Okay. Yeah, it's very interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna ask another question. Um, what are you What are you using to uh, to learn how to code? <clears throat> those um, lang- with those languages, I've heard of um, Code Academy.
0: So, I am for PHP and like Laravel. Um, I'm using uh, Laracasts as a website uh, founded by Jeffrey Way. Mm-hmm. At 15 bucks a month, there's a huge library of videos and courses. I've been using that. And then for JavaScript, mostly YouTube, honestly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, not using any of like the Code Academy or free Code Camp or these boot camps or anything. Sure. Honestly, I'm just tinkering, um, which is, I think, the, well, and also, great question. So, (laughs) not just using YouTube, I actually think the most, like, the best thing that I've done in my journey to learn to code is ChatGPT. Really? Dude, by far. I pay for ChatGPT4 because I'm a simp, and (laughs) what I do is if I watch a YouTube video, let's say um, I want to, like, there's a YouTube video that shows me using JavaScript how to click a button. Like, I want to build, I have my website page that I style in HTML and CSS. And then I want a button that if you click the button, a little form pops up and you can enter your name and press save. Do all that in JavaScript. Mm -hmm. I follow a YouTube video to write that code in JavaScript. Okay. I have the code because I followed the YouTube video. I don't really know what this does. Like I'm playing with fire. Like I built this button that I can click and it works, but I don't know what this code does. Mm. Like what does this line of code do? What I do is I copy that line of code Paste it into Chat GPT and say, "Hey, can you tell me break this down like you'd teach it to a seven-year-old? What does this line of code do?" Wow, and Chat yeah. GPT will say, um, "No problem. That line of code uh, references this JavaScript library, and we're using this uh, function. Will do this. Mm. Um, you can always use this code, you know, for a button on your website or whatever. It'll give me like everything, and I help. I debug my code. I learn my code." through, like, pair programming with ChatGPT. So I don't use ChatGPT to write the code, and that's Mm. important. I feel like a lot of people do that these days. They use AI as, like, a crutch. like, oh, AI can code now? Okay, build me an app that does this. And they get a bunch of shit code. (laughs) Really, the best way to use AI tools is to learn to code yourself, but use it as that, like, you have a world-class computer science instructor sitting on your shoulder. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Hey, did I write this code right? What does this mean? What does this do? How does this piece of code connect to this piece of code? Mm. ChatGPT is just there to tell you, yeah, in ways that Google and Stack Overflow or Stack Exchange never could.
1: That's fascinating, and I think there's. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the company too. Uh, Marty Bent has had him on the podcast, and he's the way that he looks. I mean, I, th- I think he. So his company is is intertwining um, AI and coding. It's like a coding base camp and uh
0: replit yes uh, ahmad yes uh, ahmad yeah yep, yep.
1: that looks pretty fascinating and you do so it it does seem to me like yeah you you do you do need to understand how to code right but it's just much easier and so for like really proficient expert coders i'm sure they're just like cheesing over this because a lot of maybe the mundane like i remember being in college and and being in, in a computer science class and they just had me literally type every single symbol of the URL and like coding mm-hmm. and stuff. And I can see how AI can drastically reduce the amount of maybe I wouldn't call it mundane, but just the mm-hmm. monotonous like coding in a way. Am I correct in that yeah presumption?
0: Um yeah, it's like trying to think of like the best analogy would be like uh maybe uh so this is probably not the best analogy, but like Let's talk. Let's say, like cooking. Let's say you've never made paella before, but you really want to make a good seafood paella with the crispy rice, and you have a cast iron pot. You have, you have all everything you need, mm-hmm. um, but you don't know how to put it all together. Mm-hmm. And so ChatGPT would basically be your sous chef in the kitchen. You are the head chef, ChatGPT is the sous okay. chef, and it would be kind of right next to you as you're building your paella, and you're saying, "Hey." Uh, right now, this is when you should put the the rice in with the bone broth. Yeah. And then while that's cooking, go over and start preparing your shrimp. That's a good analogy. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. It's like a sous chef that's with you. A lot of people treat it as their own personal chef and say, hey, make me that paella. That's the wrong way to use mm. AI for coding. Um, and I think ah- Ahmad knows that with Replit because that's why with Replit, you kind of have like a little co-pilot um, that can help you debug your code not only write something but tell you what it means mm, so mm-hmm. you can kind of internalize it um that's super cool yeah it's really fascinating cool. dude and so like
1: and i'm not a coder and i still think that's super cool and I, i've seen pond, i've pondered on like learning to code because i out of almost like necessity a feeling of necessity
0: because and it's dude it's so freaking cool to write to code be, and see it work yeah you're just like oh my god it was amazing <laughs> but then let's like wait 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 people have been coding for decades and decades now
1: in a way yeah. but in, like in a much I can way. finally
0: do this yeah. like it's not it's not that mystical black box anywhere, anywhere it's like it's right here and also when you're when you're coding when you're programming computers will do what you tell it to do mm-hmm. so it's not that hard mm-hmm. it's like you know go forward go back turn left turn right computer will do everything yeah. you want it to do if your code is correct and if it's not correct you get a little error message and just paste that error into chat gpt and be like hey where's this yeah. code wrong?"
1: and that's like that saves probably so much time because you previously had to just with your human eyes uh, just go down all the code to find where the bug was mm-hmm. now you can just copy and paste and it just tells you pretty proficiently it tells you, tells you where the bug oh, is
0: this was wrong because you forgot to put a semicolon there yeah, yeah. The semicolon Dude, there. Dude, hours,
1: like so many hours of just that
0: one semicolon. Yes. Home.
1: Oh, God. But, but
0: it can help you be, the, it can be that sous chef for you to tell you, hey, you forgot to add salt. It's up in the yeah. cupboard. It's like, yeah. oh, well, okay. Cool. And so it makes indie hacking, to tie it back to that conversation, yeah. it makes indie hacking so much easier. You know, you have a little thought about a cool app or a cool, what would, you know, what would be a cool thing that you think you could sell to people mm-hmm. um, makes it so much easier.
1: Yeah. And then to tie it into people that are listening um, that might not be interested in coding. like
0: Yeah, we just took a really weird turn from Bitcoin no. into indie hacking and coding and business no, I love but it. I think it's really important. I love important.
1: it. I love it. And uh, something that came to mind, and I was expressing this before, um, just with... Uh, so to put these two together, um, Naval Robicon's statement of... <clears throat> Uh, there's like 8 billion people in the world. I hope mm-hmm. there's 8 billion companies or businesses. Um, and then the, uh, course that Dan Co offers, which I'll send to you because you might be interested in the future. Yeah. I think it's a high valuable course. Um, that's relatively cheap for, I think the value that you're getting. Um, but Dan Co incorporates this, um, I think it's, it might cater more towards like personal branding, but I think, you know, even if you might not necessarily, like you specifically think like you, you might not want to create a personal brand. Um, you might still be able to tie in the information and lessons within this course towards whatever you're trying to build. Because like whatever you build with, um, you know, trying to teach people how to use Git, right. That's what you're trying to do. Um, you're eventually going to need to market it. And so if you can market it in your own authentic way, it might even help you Yeah, with, you know, just having more fulfillment because you're not, you're not paying, like you said, um, you know, affiliates or. or uh,
0: For sure. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely, and that's like, that's a problem. And that's another thing, right? Like if you are indie hacking or you want to indie hack, you want to build your own project, but your mm-hmm. first, but you spend days agonizing over what your website's going to be called or like how you're going to market it. Would you do that right away, might as well just say sayonara to that idea, yeah. right? It's like, you know, so to your point, I will probably want to focus on that, but like I want something to market first. Yeah. So like got to finish the actually coding it, building it, get, talking to people, hey, would you use this? Do you think this yeah. is cool? Yeah. We have a unique opportunity at Unchained. I can go to our developers, Buck and Sasha, yeah. uh, and say like, hey guys, is this cool? Is this right? Is this accurate? Yeah. Would you use this? Like, is this kind of interesting? Um, if a new engineer joins the Unchained team and they're maybe unfamiliar with the way we use Git, would you like them to use this as a way to learn? Mm. Um, once I do all that, then, yeah, marketing it would be really yeah important.
1: That's cool. Um, where to take this next? I was going to... I do have a couple questions for you. So Of course. Um, and we have some more time. So... Um, I was wondering, let's see, what are you, yeah, so what are you, um, there's two things, two topics that might get pretty esoteric for people that are listening that might not even, yeah, it's definitely esoteric. Um, what are you most uh, excited about within the Bitcoin industry? So there is this talk of frost. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an example. Is there anything that comes to mind that you could potentially, Uh, speak to in layman's terms that, you know, which, which is hard. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, like,
1: like how would it, how will it help others? Um, Or yeah, just whatever you feel. I
0: think the technical stuff is like, it's cool, but it's for a specific audience, you know, like.
1: Like Marty's podcast comes to mind. Sure. He's definitely like mainly a Bitcoin And maybe economics, too. Yeah. Um,
0: Or like Bitcoin Review, like NVK's podcast Mm -hmm. that he does. Um, It's like that technical stuff is one thing. What I'm really most excited about is just the normalization of Bitcoin. Like I'm really excited for the Thanksgivings and Christmases where I can go home and like it's no longer... This crazy thing yeah. that I'm working in Bitcoin, and that we talk <laughs> about Bitcoin, maybe we don't even talk about it at all because my family members are purchasing it without even knowing it through the ETF because it's in their pension plan mm. or it's in their 401k or whatever. Like, I'm just I'm very excited for the normalization of Bitcoin. Mm. Um, I'm excited to tell people that I helped, you know, really work for a, you know the biggest Bitcoin financial services company. Uh, in the world. I helped build that. Um, when the world transitioned over to Bitcoin as kind of being the standard, um, I was there and played a role in at that company. Mm. That's what I'm I'm like looking forward to that. The technical stuff, Frost is cool, but like, you say that and to the listener or to most people or clients, it goes over their head and they don't really care. Mm. They want to know their Bitcoin is safe, accessible, uh, and that's pretty much and growing and purchasing power against mm. the US dollar. That's really what they give a shit about. Yeah. So, is like well, it's technically kind of fun. It's also like, uh, yeah, I guess I'm excited for different cryptographic primitives to come to Bitcoin. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I don't even know half of what that means. So it's like to talk about that stuff would just be probably doing a lot of people a disservice yeah. unless you're like in a room drinking beers with engineers. Yeah. Uh, but more so, I'm I'm excited for. The normalization of Bitcoin at the policy level, stuff C.J. Wilson's Mm -hmm. working on. I'm excited for it to become more normalized within my peer groups and my friends and my family. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm excited for it to continue to grow in purchasing power to validate um, a lot of uh, what we've been working on so hard and a lot of like honestly torment we've gone through with the downturns in Bitcoin. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I'm just excited for for the future um, Mm -hmm. for Bitcoin to kind of grow in popularity. I think, like, the more and more I've been thinking about this, I uh, this might be a hot take. I actually think the name Bitcoin does, like, a lot of harm, or it <laughs> did in the early days, mm-hmm. um, or even does now. Like, my girlfriend used to make this joke when we first started seeing each other uh, when I told her I would work for a Bitcoin company, she's like, that sounds like something you get in Mario, like, when you're playing. You get a little Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, people don't take it, and this is su- really superficial, and as a bitcoiner i like i don't really care about this mm-hmm. at a deep level but i can appreciate how somebody would feel this way that the name bitcoin just sounds fake sounds scammy sounds yeah. fake sounds like futuristic or maybe it's an arcade game and not a a monetary paradigm shift mm-hmm. right i don't know what else it would be called but bitcoin i think is is the name of it freedom money yeah right like it's, <laughs> it's gonna take a while for people to take that seriously yeah you know yeah. i'm sure dollar really i mean at the end of the day that doesn't mean much yeah um, but like bitcoin and monopoly money are closer than bitcoin and dollar and the minds and psyche of a lot of people right now mm. and so that's unfortunate because we see the other side of it we're in it every day we're like in the trenches it's our world it's yeah. our online experience it's our work experience but like you go to somebody who's just living in rural Massachusetts or rural Wisconsin, where I'm from, they hear Bitcoin. Maybe they saw it on the news. Uh, they hear about Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX, and it's automatically a scam. It's like okay, so it's going to take time for people to understand that. Oh, Bitcoin. You mean like the internet money, like the mm-hmm. the money that we now use uh, as kind of like globally the money that the money that nations buy oil in the mm-hmm. money that large prices are denominated in the the money that uh you know that went up in, in US dollar terms pretty crazily the, the money that I thought I was late on but now I save my money in it. The money mm-hmm. that uh is the best performing ETF uh, out there, you know, like that's probably gonna happen. Like mm. just oh Bitcoin, you mean the new money? Like that's what it's eventually going to be. Yeah. It's gonna be mm-hmm. less about uh Bitcoin and crypto. So like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, I, I, that's a interesting response and I've talked to, uh, our dear friend, Tom Honzik and he's claimed, and I think also Parker and other people have claimed that hyper Bitcoinization, if you want to call it that, or just the, the normalization of, uh, of Bitcoin could very much happen in the, like, the like twenty thirty twenty thirties. 2030s. And, yeah.
0: Hyper normalization of Bitcoin. Yeah. Rather than hyper Bitcoinization, I think. Yeah. Um, probably think, same outcome but
1: yeah do you do you agree with that time frame that prediction
0: mm, yeah, that's seven years from now, six years from now as we're getting closer to twenty twenty four six and change um and like that's realistic to me uh like very realistic mm-hmm. incredibly realistic mm. um we need it to be otherwise we're gonna be in a really really shitty spot uh just with us dollar inflation and kind of like you know global like hegemons fighting each other and stuff like that like it's gonna be a weird decade but um i think if you're a bitcoin holder and you understand the importance of of a non-state money without senior edge you're in a good spot
1: Mm. um there's one other this so there's one question that i have that would be off topic of bitcoin um but there is maybe one that I'd like to, to look at. So there was a really interesting um, talk at Bitblock Boom, And I think you and Tom left to go back to work. It was on Friday. It was the first day. It was this gentleman from Barefoot Mining. And he was mm. speaking to, he pretty much, um, it was very eloquently put together and he broke it down very granularly talking about the mean and median block uh, time. Uh, the time in which a block uh, is mined. And then discussed, uh, you know, transaction fees and, and whatnot. And uh, introduced the uh, the potentiality of a block time wars. And how we are so early and we've probably transacted on, you know, on-chain, the base layer, mm-hmm. many times. And he had a, a lot of great points. And he was saying how it's going to eventually be a privilege to have your Bitcoin on chain and to hold your own keys. Very interesting. He was saying a small percentage of people in the world will be able to do that. And he broke down like, because of how expensive transaction fees will be, um, you're really going to have to plan ahead of time. Like once per year, you're going to have to make a transaction on chain and introduce these different things. And so it got me thinking differently about the evolution of Unchained. So like, I think we still you know, we're, we're still looking at maybe bigger businesses, right? We do still help put keys in the hands of individuals as well. Um, But I'm just curious if you ever thought about that.
0: Yeah, you know, it, for sure. No, yeah. it's a really good point. I heard that he was talking about that re- gentleman from Barefoot Mining, which is really cool.
1: Tom had, like, Tom literally just left as he started talking. I was like, I think Tom would really love this. Yeah, because it's
0: at the end of the day, it's UTXO management. Yes. It's yes. like, interact. I mean, like... I do think it's crazy that we're in an. Uh, are you in the Unchained Fantasy Football League? I
1: don't think so. Yeah, no.
0: So we have a Unchained Fantasy Football League. Yeah. Played in it last year, I'm in it this year, and we like the fee to enter the the league is like five hundred thousand sats. Okay, so half a million sats, which is like a hundred and something bucks. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I did.
1: Lot. I did do like some. We did a price prediction, like an Unchained price prediction. I did that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, like, the fact that our Unchained Fantasy Football League dues, uh, it was, like, 100 bucks and worth of sats to join the Fantasy Football League, and we just all paid on chain. You're right. That's crazy. Like, <laughs> like in 2030, when yeah. the hyper-normalization of Bitcoin happens, that's going to be nuts that we did that. Mm. Right? It'll be like, whoa. You guys used, like, chain Bitcoin, like, that was mined on the network to just pay your Fantasy Football dues? Like, yeah. you know... Nation states are trading globally in Bitcoin using that as the settlement layer. And you guys did that for fantasy football? And
1: Tom well, also like inscripted, I love cheeseburgers or something. I, he did, he did something. I'm misquoting in his, yeah, yeah. But it's
0: just like the fact that we, uh, I think the barefoot mining talk was correct. Like it is going to be kind of crazy looking back on it that we interrupt or uh, interacted with kind of like the bitcoin blockchain and not a layer two Mm. like lightning or arc or something like that Mm. um and that was kind of ties into drew's talk a little bit uh like how did satoshi think of bitcoin uh thinking about it from a marketplace perspective Mm. and that layer zero is like uh i think the predetermined 21 million supply interacting with the miners and then layer one is you know facilitating like blocks and layer two being lightning and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Like what other marketplaces are we going to be using um, to move Bitcoin value around? Like that is really, really interesting to me. I do think it also talk, or ties in a little bit to Trey Sellers' uh, talk at Bitblock Boom called Waves, Caves, and Mobiles. And in that talk, he uh, displayed the HODL waves, which is a chart of Bitcoin UTXO uh, yep. distribution <laughs> over time and you can kind of see by looking at the on-chain data, like on-chain Bitcoin, not lightning or anything, just on-chain layer one data uh, of folks who hold Bitcoin and like when they last moved it. And there's a huge tranche of people that like have held Bitcoin for over three years and haven't moved it. And that's like a really healthy thing because people are just holding Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And these Whales are accumulating, you and I are accumulating, like we're not moving Bitcoin. We might be moving it to like consolidate UTXOs or do these advanced operations. But like one of the questions in the Q&A to Trey's talk was as the Lightning Network becomes more popular and grows or other layer twos become popular and grow and as the base chain becomes more expensive to interact with, how do you see this chart changing? And so I actually think it'd be a really cool visualization underneath the HODL waves to show Lightning Network capacity. Mm. You could imagine how the two charts would look as lightning network capacity grows, the HODL waves become like kind of more stagnant, right? And like you don't like the the band, the colored bands for daily activity, weekly activity, just cease to exist mm. um, as the lightning network grows because mm. we're doing day to day transactions, fantasy football dues, um, like prediction bets and stuff like that, just over lightning. Mm. Um, and that's already happening within our circle of friends. But like as hyper normalization of Bitcoin happens. Hopefully that happens everywhere as well. Mm. And so, yeah, I do think it's like, yeah, that talk, uh, I should go back and listen to that Barefoot Mining talk because it's really interesting. Mm. Like, it's a privilege. It's an extreme privilege to be in a competitive marketplace for block space right now.
1: Yeah. Like, that's crazy. He also did forewarn, like, a fearful outcome of financial institutions trying to, like, to go back to his statement of block time wars. I Mm. believe it was okay, well, if the block subsidy is irrelevant because we've mined the majority of Bitcoin in the future, will financial institutions try to hard fork the code to, you know, speed up the uh, rate at which blocks would be mined and how, like, I'm still trying to wrap my head on how that's, like, a threat to Bitcoin, maybe because miners would then just become the new conglomerates of, of the future um, and, and that would yeah. be, like, unfair to society and... and so he brought that up and he he was like, I'm not trying to put, like he wasn't trying to put fear into the hearts of the people at BitBlock Boom, But mm-hmm. he did bring it up and he was like, we sh- we, like we're not ready for this. And, light- and this is why we need to focus on layer two applications. Be- yeah. They're very important. I, I mean, was like, wow, okay, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, by the time that that's a like, realistic concern though, like the Lightning Network will have, ho- I mean, to kind of CJ Wilson's point, we need to like do things right. right we need to play an active effort in using lightning um or making it better supporting lightning and unchained as a business mm. right um helping traditional banking infrastructure use lightning yeah. zap right helping businesses earn uh their fees or you know income in mm-hmm. lightning payments yeah. um and aggregated on chain later and all this stuff the infrastructure is being built out but i understand the point where it's like okay block subsidy uh being the largest part right now of the block reward mm-hmm. is fees being the other component. Like as that dwindles either fees need to make up for it or we need to, yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, but I don't see that as like a pragmatic immediate concern. Um, yeah, I don't either. I think it would be like farther, in, farther, but it's the a future. good point. It's good to call out now. Yeah. So everybody's aware of it and kind of this constant, reminder, like, Hey, use the lightning network when you can, mm-hmm. like you don't One, it's way cheaper. Two, it's instant, so, like, there's benefits to it. Mm-hmm. Like, use it. It's not just something cool that you can, like, like a tweet every now and then when a uh, Lightning wallet that you don't use comes out with a new feature release, but you want to socially signal to everybody who you follow that, like, you're up to date with Lightning stuff. Like, mm-hmm. actually friggin' use it. Um, that was a big pill for me to, like, swallow. Uh, was like, okay, I can't just, can't just talk about it. I got to be about it. Yeah. I got to, like, use Lightning. So maybe... For fantasy football next year, we should use that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's been, uh, the, I mean, I haven't dived too far into Lightning. I mean, so the normalization of Lightning, um, you know, is, is is already in process, in, in my view, through Zaps on Noster and, like, making it easy. So for, for me, I just um, downloaded the wallet of Satoshi, sent a few sats there, uh, used that wallet for you know, just to enter into the, the date like Damus application. Right. And you know, when you, when you think of Noster and you understand Noster and the lightning network, it might seem like overly technical, but there are tools built for you to like use applications to literally just download. And you can use that. It's for, for someone yeah. that has no, you right. know, no, no technical skills. So
0: I yeah, agree. custodial lightning is going to be around and it's going to be a thing. Yeah. Like self custody lightning. I don't know. Not a lightning expert. That's where Tom would definitely uh, have a little bit more to say on that front. Um, But I do see its practical application. I use Phoenix Wallet, which, you know, is a great Lightning Wallet. Yeah, I've heard of that one, yeah. Um, I was in Bitcoin Park in June. I gave a workshop there. And then uh, after that, just at Bitcoin Park hanging out. And there's like beers or waters or whatever, sparkling waters you can get up at the front. And you just pay a little BTC pay server terminal with Lightning. I like spent more Bitcoin than I've ever spent. like a two-day period just like paying for two dollar waters and lightning because it was cool and i was thirsty yeah um but like make that the norm right right? like you know.
1: yeah um we have a little bit more time left and uh, i want to be mindful of your time um but i think uh something that comes to mind uh, aside from the indie hacking and building your own business like and aside from you know your being a renaissance man in uh in the bitcoin industry uh what other like what other so let's say normalization of bitcoin was mm-hmm. was here um and you still had 50 years to live in this human vessel um what is something that really uh just like genuinely fascinates you that you could just dedicate your time so like a almost like a you know, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Drew, but if Drew, if, if the money was already fixed, Mm -hmm. Drew would be a physicist. Right. Right. right? So like, what would you do? What, what is something that just like, you're so fascinated by? And I know, I mean, this could tie back into indie hacking and like the business that you're building, but maybe even like something that, something else that comes to mind.
0: Um, that's an excellent, excellent question. I do like, I think the answer now uh, before there are children in my life, mm-hmm. uh, is going to be different than hopefully in the future <laughs> yeah. if I do have children, that's right? Very true. You know, that's like the psychological shift of wanting to provide for somebody who's right. you know yeah. coming after you and stuff like that. So my answer subject to change, of course, mm-hmm. but um, I kind of have this like dream, like dream vision of the money is fixed. We've served our tour of duty on Bitcoin, working at Unchained. <laughs> Um, a mini tour of duty, very, very small and insignificant in the grander grand scheme of things, but it's Mm -hmm. important to me and important to us. Yep. Unchained is successful. Bitcoin successful. Uh, maybe the side project or business is successful. Um, I do think that working with my hands and, uh, sounds really kind of like maybe even too cliche now, but would really find it kind of homesteading to be interesting. Mm. Um, I would like to move out somewhere more rural. Um, you know, I'm originally from Wisconsin and I like, you know, you drive from Wisconsin up to Minneapolis and along the way you just see like literally uh, like picturesque red wood barns mm. with like a bunch of rolling hills. And it just looks beautiful. Like Pixar toy story clouds in the background. You're like on a sunny day on a farm, like that'd be cool. Not a commercial farm, but like, have a couple of like cows, a chicken coop, like a beautiful garden. Mm-hmm. Provide for yourself. Uh, build things with your own hands. You know, like kind of get off the grid, out of cities, into like you know, just kind of become more connected with your community locally, the people around you, mm-hmm. um, and like really instill that those sorts of values to my kids. Yeah. That's what I would want to do right now. Yeah. That's what I'm kind of thinking.
1: I love that answer. That's a great answer because like. I was coming from a point of like, what would you want to study consciousness more or physics or, I mean like, or space. And you, you brought it down to the local. It was like just being more connected to nature.
0: Yeah. I want to hey, like grow my own jalapenos that, to, <laughs> to put in my own tacos. That'd be sick. If I could like make my own flour tortillas from grinding up the flour <laughs> with my own jalapenos and my own tomatoes from my garden yeah, yeah, and yeah. make that for dinner for my like, Two-year-old kid and my wife, that would be killer one day, and, and I'd be like, "Yes,
1: we do need that too." And and uh, I was speaking to uh, Harry from the Me Mafia, and mm-hmm. also another friend of mine who was here at Squatch. Um, he's into regen uh, agriculture, and saying like, "Yeah, we we we've lost um, like the hyperlocalization of being self-sustainable, mm-hmm. and maybe that's due to yeah. the centralization of cities and do, you know money and and um,
0: cent- I think like. The, it could be like my, so here's kind of the interesting thing too, like this whole idea with homesteading Mm -hmm. and like providing for yourself more, um, we can almost seek to do it in a very futuristic way. Like it would, like it would be really cool for me because I actually think that indie hacking and building a business, but learning to program, it's kind of like, um, architecture in a way. Like I want to build a grand cathedral just only that my cathedral is going to be digital probably Mm -hmm. and built with code instead Mm -hmm. of concrete yeah you know yeah so it'd be like how cool would it be to you know go in the morning like on a Wednesday my ideal Wednesday be I wake up I you know go check the apple trees in my orchard yeah right uh throw some grain at my chicken come inside and like Connect to gigabit internet and start programming in JavaScript. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's <laughs> sick. That is so fucking that's awesome. cool. Yeah. wouldn't like it is like this like futuristic. You know like that's what I think is crazy. I know and I agree. My yeah. money is cryptographically secured, uh, with a globally distributed protocol. I program and build my cathedral and my life's work digitally built with code. But I like provide for my family, and I'm connected to my community and the earth. Like, yeah.
1: dude, that and you could truly right be off grid as well because you can yeah. use like the, the concept of uh, Starlink, right? Use
0: Starlink to to program and code, and you know, be like futuristic. But then, like, you know, I want to be typing JavaScript while I still have like dirt on my hands.
1: Well, <laughs> that's a great way to end it. Yeah, that's a great way to end it. Um, thank you so much for coming on. This Dude, was, of course, this is great. Such a pleasure to have you on and I hope to do this um with more unchained members and, and Bitcoiners and just keep the podcast going. But um Yeah. If you want to shout out uh where people can find you just to to um you know see what you're doing and um yeah, where, wherever you'd like to begin with that.
0: Yeah. Uh Dude, thanks for having me on. This yeah. is crazy. Went everywhere with it. So if somebody listened to this whole thing end then like, dude, bro, bravo. We talked about a lot yes, of weird shit. Yes. Um, but these sorts of talks are really inspiring. They're cool for me because I get to talk about this indie hacker stuff yeah. and these like things that I don't really talk about normally, even with coworkers or friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you. Yeah. What you're doing here is cool. I'm excited to see you grow the brand. Um, start getting back what you've put into this. I think that's really important for you. I think this could be something you earn revenue with. Over uh, time, just like combining it with a newsletter, all this other stuff, yeah. I do see it being pretty cool. Thank you. Um, my best way to like you know keep in touch with what I'm doing and what I'm working on and stuff would just be my Twitter account right now, at um, Clockwork underscore Prior. Mm. Um, meaning behind that is uh, you should be adjusting your priors like clockwork when you're presented with new information. So mm. if you, if at first you hear about Bitcoin and it sounds like a Mario coin. Maybe uh take some time to learn about it and adjust your priors uh on on how you think about that's that stuff. And it goes with really anything. Yeah. Um so at clockwork underscore prior on Twitter. Um uh, my GitHub username is typer campbell. Uh Campbell. Sorry. My grandfather likes it when the P is silent. Yeah. Typer Campbell instead of uh Tyler Campbell. Okay. On GitHub. And yeah, otherwise I'm just uh hacking away uh, personal projects and trying to build institutions within Unchained.
1: Heck yeah. Well, thank you so much again. And I think that concludes it. Peace out, guys. Peace out.